The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, and set our hearts on fire by the power of your love. Amen. Amen. In our reading from St. John's Gospel this morning, Jesus gives shape and focus to the community's life after his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, after he has left his disciples to return to God. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's to come. And he's talking about that point in their journey together where we are now in our church calendar, which is in that post-resurrection Easter season, just prior to his ascension, which we'll celebrate this coming Thursday, and then looking ahead to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, which we'll celebrate in two Sundays on June 8th. In short, Jesus is describing the way his community, and indeed any and every community throughout time, would live our lives together if we wanted to be faithful to his life and teachings and to enjoy the fruits and benefits of all that he promises, like the peace that passes all understanding and the fullness of joy and abundant living. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What is this love? And can the disciples continue to love him after he has gone, they wonder? Well, yes, Jesus says the disciples can still love him after he has gone, but not by clinging to cherished memories of him from the past or by retreating into their own private experiences of him. Instead, they can continue to love Jesus by doing his works and by keeping his commandments. Jesus' teachings to the disciples about love here foretell the continuation of his own life into the life of his followers and into our lives and for endless generations to come. By faith and love and obedience, they and we will continue to do what he has been doing. For Jesus lived out God's love of him by keeping God's commandments, by making God known to the world, by offering God's promise of salvation, and by loving others fully, even to the point of death. 
And now, he says, it's our turn to go and do the same, trusting that God will be with us every step of the way. We see here that Jesus' union with God was not a private, individualistic union in which their love for one another was primarily self-beneficial. On the contrary, the love of God and Jesus was a public love, first revealed to the world in the Incarnation, and then repeatedly revealed in Jesus' words and works throughout his ministry. And now we're asked to go and do the same. And we learn that the believing community in any generation will enter most fully into relationship with Jesus, precisely when it begins to take on and live out the love of the Incarnation. St. Paul describes it this way in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be imitators of God as beloved children of God and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and living sacrifice to God. We hear this every Sunday, don't we, after we exchange the peace and prepare to take up the offering, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Well, this, this is the way to experiencing firsthand the promises of Christ that I believe we all long for, such as that peace that passes all understanding and joy in abundance. I don't know about you, but I want this peace and this joy. So how do we get it? Well, here's the formula. Jesus spells it out for us in the continuation of this gospel. If we keep reading from what we heard this morning, he goes on to say, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. I want that. How do we get it? My wife and I just watched a documentary called Happy. It came out in 2012, but we only just discovered it. And we've watched it twice in the past three days. It's fabulous. I highly recommend it. In it, this group of doctors set out to figure out how to measure happiness. Can you measure it in the brain? Can you measure it scientifically? They point out that doctors and scientists and healers and therapists have been studying depression for many, many years. And they wonder, why hasn't anyone studied happiness? How can that be? They want to find out what's the science of happiness. Can you measure it? They traveled all around the world and they studied people from every continent, every culture, every way of life. And what they found is fascinating. They found that there are three main pieces in the pie chart of happiness. One piece 
is determined by genes. It's genetic. It's what you're born with. Don't know if you can do much about that. The second piece has to do with external circumstances, such as where you live, what your job is, where you go to school. But surprisingly, those external circumstances only make up about 10% of the pie chart of happiness. The third piece is what they call intentional behavior or choices for living. And this is a big one. In this third piece, we find such things as lifestyle, diet, exercise, being out in nature, doing what you love. They talk about being in the zone when you're doing things you love, like gardening or playing the piano. I imagine Robert's in the zone when he's playing the organ. When you do things you love, you're in the zone. And that's good for you. They can measure that scientifically. But, you know, they found that what really matters, what really makes people happy is social bonding, having close and supportive family and friends, social equity, charity, compassion, connection with others, interdependence between each other and the natural environment. It's all social. It's all relational. It's all about our interconnectedness. And then they talk about two types of goals that we have. We have extrinsic goals and intrinsic goals. In extrinsic goals, we look primarily for rewards and praise from without. And this is sought through our efforts to gain such things as money, image, and status. In intrinsic goals, however, we seek out that which is inherently satisfying, satisfying from within. And that's found through such things as community connections and doing things to make the world a better place. They found that money, image and status, the extrinsic goals, don't really make us happy. The happiness found in those things is short lived. It doesn't last. It's like the quick hit of a drug that when it wears off, you want more. It's like winning the Super Bowl. Everything's magnificent for that moment. But then you wake up the next morning and start thinking, can we win it again next year? It doesn't last. But the intrinsic, internal, inherently satisfying actions and feelings around community connection and altruistic endeavors, they do make us happy. You can measure it, and it does last. They went on to say that competition leads to disconnection and isolation. That cooperation leads to satisfying and sustaining connection. They say that compassion leads to happiness and that joy comes from connection to others. They found again and again and again that what really matters is being responsible for one another's well-being, acts of kindness, practicing and cultivating compassion and altruism, charity, social bonding, which involves cooperative interaction and service and exchange. What really matters are faith, family and friends. We found this to be very true when we went down to the Gulf Coast after Hurricane Katrina. We went down several times to help clean up and rebuild. And in neighborhoods where everything was gone, the houses were gone, the photo albums were gone, all the materialistic stuff was gone. We were just blown away by how people still looked happy. And we said, 
How can it be? You just lost your home. You just lost everything. How can it be that you're happy? And they said, we found out what really matters. Faith, family and friends. The three F's. This is where lasting happiness is to be found. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Go and love one another as I have loved you. Go and keep my father's commandments to love and serve God and neighbor. Go and give freely of yourselves simply because you can. And when we do these things, we'll notice, Jesus says, when we do these things, we'll notice that we have the spirit of the living God flowing freely throughout us. But it's not always easy by any stretch of the imagination. There are times when life is very hard, when the challenges seem practically suffocating. That's okay, this documentary tells us. Adversity is not a bad thing. It's all about our ability to recover. They talk about the importance of acceptance, of being able to accept hardships and challenges. In fact, when we do recover from hardships and challenges, they say, we find ourselves to be happier human beings because in the process, we end up discovering a strength deeper within us that we ever knew that we had. We end up discovering the power and the presence of God in us. We end up discovering the love and the support of family and friends. It is, in fact, they say, through accepting and facing challenges and hardships that we find our strength, God's strength and the community's strength. And in so doing, we find our happiness. And then they say, go and give it away. Doing his works and keeping his commandments. This is what Jesus is talking about in this gospel passage this morning. You know, when I hear these words that Tony read in the gospel and when the gospel of John keeps going, I always think about wedding services because you hear these words read at wedding services often. And then often the officiant will then preach about the self-sacrificial nature of love and that being the success to a happy marriage. And then in the wedding ceremony, you keep going and you get into the vows and there are three Action verbs, love, honor, and cherish. And I think to myself, not only in marriage, but in every relationship, whether you're married or not, whether you have family or not, it could be with your spouse, your partner, your children, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. I think of those three action verbs, and I'm always asking, am I in the process of loving the other, honoring the other, cherishing the other. Unfortunately, usually I'm not doing as good a job as I could be doing, and I can always improve. But I think in our gospel passage this morning, what it boils down to are those three action verbs, love, honor, and cherish. When we do that with ourselves, our spouses, our partners, our families, our friends, Everywhere we'll find that peace that passes all understanding. We'll find that joy that is complete. We'll find that abundance. That's a cool thing.
Well, it's Memorial Day weekend and I can't close without taking a moment just simply to say thank you to those people who gave up all of their tomorrows so that we could live in freedom today. I pray that as we go forth from this place with hearts full of love, that we will remember them and do our parts to keep this world a safe place and a happy place. Amen. Amen.